0: Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music on the air and in your ear. And once again, I am him and got with me the King of the Casters. And as usual, he is Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, you may be the King of the Casters. This man, I think the last time we were on, we were talking about him as Thunderfingers.
1: Uh, sounds oh, about right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thunderfingers. <laughs> <Yes>. I remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well we we love talking to this guy um you know just as much as we love listening to the band that he plays for uh we have ronnie Parks from bonfire ronnie how are you hey how's it going guys fantastic i mean again always always a pleasure to talk to you and uh you know because it's fun listening to bonfire and in this case you've got some re-recordings to talk about
1: yeah actually um we we actually started this project because we were in we were thinking about different things to do, and uh, we really wanted to put a documentary out. So we thought that that would be a good idea. Hans is also writing a book, so you know we we said, okay, yeah, the documentary is great. But then we found out that we didn't have the rights to the first three albums. Oh. We don't have the <clears throat> yeah, we don't have the the rights to use those. So. Uh, Hans came up with the idea, hey, you know, everybody else is doing this now. Why don't we just re-record it and then we have the rights back and then we can use it as the soundtrack. And, uh, I mean, they're really great albums. They're, they were the, the pinnacle of Bonfire, really the highest point. Um, you know, Fireworks was, was our biggest album, definitely. And um, so, you know, it's all great songs. And we're like, yeah, well, we can make it more modern a little bit, you know, not change it too much keep it true to the original but just you know give it a new a little bit you know 2023 instead of 1986 and uh we think it really came out great and that gets released uh at the end of this month i think september 22nd
2: 22nd yeah that's right i mean lots come lots (laughs) coming out in september i mean besides the three albums of course the music video as well so i mean you're busy yeah
1: Yeah, yeah, that was actually that was uh, AFM's idea to to, uh, since we had so many three albums, you know, that's like thirty songs. So they wanted to put out like eight videos um, prior to the release to kind of get the you know get everything flowing. So, so uh, this last uh, video is going to be ready for reaction, and then that gets released on uh, the same day as the albums, I believe. So yeah, it should be really cool. I mean, I think it sounds great. Some people like it, some people are like, "Oh, why record an old album or oh, Klaus is the best." Yeah. You know, it's always the same type of thing. And hey, I, there's nothing against Klaus. This isn't a competition between, you know, it's the same band. It's okay, there's different members, but the the songs are the same. It's the same band. It's the same uh mastermind he can say he was you know the writer of the songs so it's not even like we're really he's he's just redoing his own songs so uh you know i don't know i don't see the real issue with it but you know some people do and I, i i also think that you know people who weren't aware of bonfire maybe in 1986 now these songs uh maybe they hear them now and they're like wow that's great i love this you know And maybe they can go back and look at the old ones, listen to the old ones, you know, I don't, (laughs) to me, it's, 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 it's good, you know, and I don't, I don't understand why people get so upset about that type of thing, but I don't know. I think that's just people. People Yeah, people. People are people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody's got to be a a warrior on Facebook and say something or, you know, (laughs) complain about something. And then a lot of times they don't even mean what they're really saying. Maybe they're trying to be funny, or or they just say something. But I mean, I know a lot of other bands and a lot of other people. They go through the same issue. You know, Queen Strike went through this, and and of course Van Halen's the most famous one. You know, where a swing a singer gets switched, and you know, there's the David Lee Roth fans and the Sammy Hagar fans, and it can never be better than with David Lee Roth. But then you know the biggest selling albums actually were after David Lee rock, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. I don't know. We just do what we do and that's it, man.
2: <laughs> well, that's all you can do, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, you,
1: you can't really protective. worry about whatever. Yeah. yeah and just I mean, protective
0: of their, their childhood, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I get it, but
1: yeah, you know, me too, I mean, I get
0: in this world, in this world there's a lot of things to be upset about this to me is not one of them Exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> Good point Thunderfingers. fingers
2: <laughs> <laughs> So then what what is it like to uh I mean I mean you've played a lot of these songs live what's it like to kind of go into the studio and record them like how long does it take to record songs that are kind of already known
1: Well yeah I mean that was the that was the crazy thing cuz uh I, you know, we also, we had a, a vocalist change mm-hmm. right at the beginning of this whole thing. So this whole thing was actually planned with our previous singer, Alex. Um, and then it was all recorded. Everything was finished and Alex quit the band. He got in, uh, him, him and Hans had an argument and things didn't go well between them. And then Alex just said, that's it. I'm, I'm out. You know, and um, so then we were stuck with, okay, what do we do with these albums now? We just recorded them. They're scheduled for release. Uh, everything is done. The, the artwork's already even done. So what do we do now? So do we release it with Alex or do we get a new singer? And you know, we said, well, okay, well, we have to continue. We're not going to just stop now because Alex left. So we need to get a new singer. And why would we release something with the old singer on it while we have a new singer? So we've got to find a new singer and get him to sing these songs. So we found a guy that kind of had no real history as a singer. And he's from Greece. And uh, actually, he was a guitarist in a support band that we played for that, uh, that opened for us in Greece. And when, when he found out that we were looking for a singer, he contacted us. I said, hey, you know, check out. I got some YouTube videos and stuff. And he, he sent them to us and we were blown away. And me and Hans were looking at it like, why is this guy not already a singer in a band? And we're like, maybe he's, maybe he's faking it. Maybe this is like not real. Like He's just lip syncing and it's somebody else singing. We're like, how can this be? So, so we took like two, I think two or three of the tracks that were already recorded on the album. Uh, I don't remember what songs. But one was You Make Me Feel. And, uh, I don't remember the other two and we sent them to him and said, okay, sing on these at your house and send it to us. And let's see how that goes. So we did it and he did some really cool things in there. I mean, we were like, wow, that was amazing. How did he do this? Like, okay, this guy's, this is the guy. So we, we brought him in. Uh, he needed a little bit of help with his accent. Cause his accent was a little bit heavy. But his talent for singing is incredible. And he sang every single song on those three albums, which is an un- unbelievable task in like 12 days. Wow. So he was singing like four songs a day, he was singing basically. It was incredible. And he was able to just like change melodies. And because, you know, Hans's other thought was like, I recorded these albums already. And especially Don't Touch the Light. That was the first one. The quality is not really that good on these. And this is also... That's the one album where we tuned to standard tuning, uh, A440. And now we every other album after that in live, we tuned down a half step. So, um, you know, we were like... He, he, he just said, I, I want it to be heavier. I want it to be this. And with Alex... You know, Alex's strongest point in his voice was the high notes. So Hans had the idea of, well, this whole album, let's tune down the whole album a whole step. So it'll sound way heavier. And I was like, well, I don't know, man. I don't know if we should do that. But uh, we did it, and it actually came out really good. So, so there was some songs where it was like for, for dying now, it was either too high or too low. So he had to find some, some place. Like, so we're in the vocal room and Hans goes, OK. So we, he starts singing one of the songs and it's like it's too low. It just sounds weird, you know, singing it the normal way. So Hans goes, OK, sing it uh, an octave higher. Oh, that's too high now because <laughs> now we, we tuned down the whole song a whole step. So now the singing is too high. So he goes, well, just sing it somewhere in between. So I mean we're looking at each other going, what? In between, what does that mean? (laughs) And and he just did it. And I was like, I couldn't believe, you know, that really takes a lot of talent. There's not like, you know, you a lot of guys have to like practice what they're gonna sing or work out what they're gonna do. And this guy just on the fly can just change anything. So so we're really, really looking forward to the new stuff. This kind of shows what he can do. But it's a little bit hard because, and it's also not fair because he immediately gets compared to Klaus, no matter what, because he's singing Klaus's songs. You know, so I mean, I think he did an excellent job. Supposedly, I heard that Klaus had also heard it and said, Oh, yeah, the guy's a great singer. And the cool thing also about this guy, Diane, is that uh, when he was young and, and like maybe like 12, 13 years old, uh, and with his family, they'd be driving from, uh, I think he said he lived in Athens and they would drive to like Thessaloniki for vacation. And his father had a tape in the car that he would play like a homemade tape and bonfire was on there. So bonfire was like one of his favorite bands when he was 13 years old. So now for him to actually be the singer, he's like, he's over the moon. He's like, you know, this is fantastic. I can't believe it. This is like a dream come true. And uh so he went from playing guitar in a support band to like being in Bonfire. So for him it's a big change, it's a big uh it's a step up, you know, and uh it's it's really cool and it's a dream for him. So it's uh it's pretty awesome man, it's pretty cool.
2: What's it like when it comes down to like the live shows? Like how are you working out uh with that cuz I see that you've got the Origins tour coming up soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have, uh, we start, that starts in November, I think like around November 1st or October 31st. And we go through till November 20th. And then we have two shows at the beginning of December in Cyprus. Uh, we have a show on the 9th of December in France. And then I think the 15th in Belgium. And, uh, the response so far to all the shows that we've done have really been incredible. Uh, we did a couple shows in Romania and Bulgaria and we did a, a show in Romania and then we had a show in Bulgaria, but we decided to kind of save money and, and drive, which wasn't really the best idea because it was really far. It was like probably like 13 or 14 hours driving. And, uh, so we, we decided to since we're drive we drove to Romania, did the show, it went really well, drove to Bulgaria. The show got rained out oh. so they, they they made a pickup show on the way back so that we had something to do and we didn't have to drive straight for like twenty five hours or something that we can stop and play this other show and It was just like a little beer garden on a Sunday uh, in the middle of nowhere, really. this place was like in the middle of the woods, and uh, so we, we we got there, and we didn't know what to expect. You know, the stage was kind of small. They didn't have the right stuff. You know, our backdrop took up the whole, the whole thing. Like, you couldn't even really, because we have a big backdrop for, like, stages like Vakin and, you know. So we were on this little tiny stage with this huge backdrop where you could barely see the name because it's so big. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, all these people came, and the whole place was jam-packed. Everybody loved it, and uh, we've been now back again to Romania since then, and it was even better than the last time. So I, I think we're kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a snowball rolling down a hill in Romania. I don't I don't know how much snow they have in Romania.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> You'd know more than we would, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. it was really cool. I mean, you know, they were like the only people that ever came here. Like, it was this little town called Alrad in Romania, and they're like the only people that ever came here was uh, I think Blaze Bailey and uh, Kevin Costner. (laughs) They're the only like famous people, so everybody was like, Wow, bonfires here! This is great, this is so cool. And uh, yeah, I think we're actually getting like a really cool little fan base in Romania, which is awesome, which is great
2: that is uh, yeah it, it's funny cuz i just have this vision in my head of like of this giant banner smallish smaller stage and like yeah, in, yeah. in the middle and just, just like you know rocking that's, out with uh, in the yeah, middle yeah that's exa-
1: <laughs> that's exactly what it was so then on the, on the second um the second time that we went back so we went to bulgaria to make up for the rain out show and then they loved us so much in romania they want us to play again So we said, okay, but this time we're flying. So we flew to Bulgaria, played the show. The people from Bulgaria drove us to Romania. And then we flew out from Romania, but the drive was so far and there's so much traffic. And in Romania, like you can't drive fast. There's like one highway and then you go off the highway and then it's just a little two lane road and they do construction and there's a a horse in the middle of the road or something. So so it takes, like, forever to drive. So it took us, I think we were supposed to go on at, like, say, like, 9 or 10 o'clock or something, and we showed it up, like, 45 minutes before the show. So we just jumped out of the car, got dressed, and jumped up on stage, and it was, it was great. It was, like, magic. But that's, that's the really cool thing about this band now, because we also have, uh, you guys are in Canada, right?
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, we now have uh, Fabio. Fabio Alessandrini as our drummer now, who uh, was in uh, Annihilator. Oh, okay, a great band. Yeah. So, so the band now is just so strong, and it's really like a kind of magic, you know. Like we get up there, and it just, it all just comes together. We don't really have time to rehearse because everybody. So now the singer is from Greece, the bass player is from the United States, the drummer is from Italy, and two guys from Germany. So it's like really hard to get together and just have a rehearsal or something. So um yeah, I mean it just it just seems like magic. Like, you know, we get up there and it just works. Everything's really super tight and maybe it's because we know the song so well, I don't know. But yeah, I mean it, it's really pretty cool, actually. It's it's going really great.
2: Well it's it's funny, you know. I mean, I mean, what do you think about a band like Bonfire and of course how long you've managed to survive? But that's the thing yeah. about the incarnations is that everything, the music is still so good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it, there's also a lot of like, you know, I noticed this with Nickelback. Like everybody badmouths Nickelback. Oh, this will, and probably the most hated band in the world. But yet they're selling out stadiums. How does that happen? You know, so like, is it just a couple of people on the internet that just say stuff? And then everybody just rides the bandwagon, but nobody even cares what they're saying. Like, I don't understand how how that works, but I kind of felt like it was similar. Like, you know, when, when we decided that we were putting out these albums, everybody's like, Oh, why are you putting out this album? Oh, you you can never be better than Klaus, Ah," you know? And We're just putting out an album, man. Calm down. (laughs) It's just another recording. We didn't erase the old one. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, you you made sure that you could obliterate every single early recording of it. We're coming coming to your house. We're eliminating your vinyl. We're eliminating your CDs and cassettes. No more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, anything that you have, the old ones, we come into your house to get it. Yeah. (laughs) But, but yeah, yeah I, I, mean, mean, I mean, it's it's going good. It's going really good, actually.
2: You know, so then when it comes down to, to this, like, and the set list, and like, I assume that a fair chunk of it is these
1: three albums? Right now, all the songs, uh, we're not doing any new songs with this particular tour. And I mean, normally, there's certain songs we got to play. Like, you got to play You Make Me Feel. You know, and I, I can just imagine what it's like for Bon Jovi, the same thing. Like, you know there are certain songs you, you can't go to a Bon Jovi concert and, and not hear, uh, you know, living on a prayer or something. They ha- so there's certain songs that we have to play that fa- people who are our bonfire fans know those songs. So we have to play them. So this whole time we have been playing those songs. Um, we did change some of them a little bit, but we also used to play newer songs as well. And so now these are just, we're just playing songs from these three albums, nothing else except for one song we still play sword and stone just because that's sword and stone we have to play that song too (laughs) we thought about actually putting it on as a bonus track and Mm -hmm. recording it but but it didn't it wasn't on any of those albums so there was no yeah there was no point to put it on there we wanted to try kind of keep it true as to what it was you know
2: just, just change one of the lines and then and then be like hey, look it's a new version <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i mean we just uh we changed like some like a lot of the bass parts are a little bit different because it was more staccato type thing and, and hans wanted a more modern sound uh you know so using a five string where maybe he used a four four string before so i have some lower notes in there or maybe there's like little tiny differences here and there, you know, in the guitar solo or something, but basically it's exactly the same. And within the melodies, some of the melodies, um, you know, Diane improvised on some of the melodies. So he like maybe enhanced them, but still, in my opinion, he still kept true to the original. Just, he just changed it a little bit, you know? So yeah, I, I mean, to me, it, it, it works, you know? So we'll see, we'll see what happens with, the future.
0: <laughs> were there were there any songs that you don't play live that you know I mean you hadn't played or hadn't heard for ever that you're like, I forgot how good this was.
1: Yeah, you know, there's there's actually like a couple of songs um that we didn't play. We did play like um of course we played You Make Me Feel and we used to do um, "Give It a Try" as another like we used to do two ballads in the set, but now we do "Who's Fooling Who" um, with the newer recorded version. So even the the versions that we played before, um, especially now since they're tuned, that one album is tuned down. So now the way we used to play it is different. You know, the, those guys bring two guitars. I have a five string bass, so I just. I just um moved the position on on the on the bass. you know, I don't have to change my instrument. Um, so that was kind of weird because we actually did a an acoustic show, and <clears throat> um we didn't have any other guitars. We only had those. so then we had to play them in the in the normal key to their guitars, so that you know it was a, a half step. so so now we used to play it a half step down live. It was recorded originally at the at normal tuning then these albums are a whole step down so they have to switch guitars during the set and uh so it was kind of funny like you know to have to because i had i only have the one bass so now i'm like oh wait a second you guys are playing now in a different key so now i have to change everything right now (laughs) i can't think about this i have to do it right now (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you know, that was kind of that was kind of funny and weird, but uh, it, it all worked out great. It, it actually it sounds good. And uh, I love doing those acoustic things. Those are really cool. You know, we sometimes we did it in the past and I would just love to do an acoustic tour. I think it would just be so cool, like play like wineries or something. And like, you know, you have dinner and a show. Everybody sit down. It's nice and mellow. We have some piano and I don't know, some something else. I don't know. And, yeah, I mean, that to me, that would be really cool.
0: <laughs> Makes me think of the Roots album where, I mean, we're, you know, getting yes. in, listening to it, seeing almost unplugged. I thought, what the yeah. hell is almost
1: unplugged? And then it yeah, made yeah. sense
0: as you listen to it.
1: And there's, uh, there's a clean electric guitar on there. <laughs> so it's <Yeah>. almost unplugged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what,
2: what's it like then, like uh, transitioning from four to five string bass?
1: That actually is pretty funny because, you know, you get used to, I've, I've played, I started playing when I was five years old and now I'm uh, 50. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I have quite a bit of experience and on a four string, you know, your, your bottom string that faces you is a, is an E, but on a five string bass, that bottom string is a B. So the notes are all in different positions. And, and mentally, you know, you're used to, you get used to that one fret there on the top string is, is an A in the, on the fifth fret. But now it's an E on the, on the five string. You know what I mean? So it's that kind of, once you get over that. So the first time, actually, I only got that five string bass. I used to play a four string and I had what they call a hip shot which is this little thing on the top where you can drop the E string down to a D. So it kind of gives you that, that lower sound, but not quite as low. And then I, I got a five string, and I had to switch the day of the show to finally <laughs> learn, like, you know, okay, here you go. Here's your bass. Now go, play. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So, I mean, I got through it. It wasn't really that bad. Um, but it just takes a little more, in the beginning, it took a little more mental, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, agility, to be able to just remember that, oh, wait, that's not an E, that's, that's not an A, that's an E, you know, so that, that type of thing. And then learning where you can put the different notes, like, so now, you know, normally on a four-string bass, you tend to play, when you go places you go higher, because there's nowhere lower to go than your low e string. You know, like, a, which is the same chord on a guitar. But on the five string, now I could go down to a to a beat. And everybody, you know, so that's a lot lower than the other guys. It's, you know, six frets lower. So so that's kind of cool. So instead of going high, you know, you could go lower on the sound-wise and stuff. So that's pretty cool. It gives you a little more diversity. You know, I think six strings is just too much. Like, why Why do you need six strings? Because then it starts interfering in the guitar. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a guitar with seven strings. Same thing. It's like that low string now is going into my area. You know, I don't want that. And you don't want me going in your area. So why don't you just stay over there? I'll stay over here. <laughs> you, play, you play your six string. Yeah, just, yeah. Stay in your lane. I won't play <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay in your lane, man. I mean that's that's actually a funny thing because that that happens a lot with bass players and keyboard players because keyboard players also have bass notes, you know, on the piano. So those can interfere with your bass notes sometimes. You know, or a guitar player who has too much bass on the guitar and they're muting the strings like a boom 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 boom. So that note kind of rings out almost as much as the bass guitar. So then you have two different notes, and if I change and you do he's doing one note and I'm doing a different note and they're not, you know, maybe it's a second or something, then it's not going to sound good. You know, if it's, if it's a harmony note, like a third or, or a fifth or something, then it'll sound okay. It'll sound weird, but okay. But if it's two competing notes, then it like can get ugly. You get very ugly, very fast, man. I, I
0: was listening to a band that has a, uh, their basis is, is only two strings, and I was wondering if that, that's harder or easier. Like, I could that's not figure out is that going to be
1: harder or easier to play. That's the AD, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I, it I, is, I, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember we played a show with those guys, and I saw that. Ba- I saw that, and I'm like, "Hey, man, two strings." He's like, "Yeah, wait, I don't need anything else. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all you need. You don't need anything more than that." <laughs> which which, in, in some ways that's kind of true. I mean, I do like to, you know, the five string, at least you can go super low or you can go higher. And sometimes it's cool when you go higher. So he's kind of stuck. Like, you know, it, it, I think it kind of limits you. It's true. You don't need much more than that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's better when you have more stuff
2: yeah i I would think so (laughs) but but i mean it wouldn't it wouldn't have given us the line one track mind and a two-string bass
1: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, exactly
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean so then as you kind of go along and play this now do you just play the five string entirely now
1: yeah now now i just use five string i don't uh I, I mean, I still, I, I like to play the four string and I think actually on the Roots album, I played four string, but on the new one, I just, I use five string all the time. I use that live also, you know, it's just cause it does really have a different, a different low note. I mean, I was kind of blown away the first time I ever had the five string. And I, I told you, like I, I used to da- detune the E string so that i get that little bit lower, but it's not the same. It's like that last string is just really like a really thick string and it really has a lot of bass so when you hit it it's like <laughs> you know i can't i can't do, make the, i can't make the exact sound but you know what i mean <laughs> Other,
2: otherwise you'd be singing but
1: <laughs> otherwise yeah, yeah otherwise yeah of course <laughs>
2: <laughs> how many basses do you like generally take with you when you go out on tour
1: um we have i have two i have a backup a spare bass which is really like a cheap one i think it's a squire or something a nice fender but it, it actually works great it's a little bit on the cheap side but that's my spare and um then i have another one i have a charvel both of those guitars live in germany uh, um, and then i have a few here at home like maybe two or three at home two in germany and the rest of them i have here
0: that's not many. We hear people that are like, well, I got thirty bases, you know, and like another yeah. fifteen guitars. And it's just like uh, you yeah. know, you wonder I, why I mean, you need so many, but
1: Yeah, do you really need so many? Probably not. Do you you know, but some people I, I mean I would love to buy more guitars, but I just can't afford it, to be honest. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I don't know, I, I can't see myself buying twenty bases or something. And then where the hell am I gonna keep them all?
2: Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's it's enough that that yours are separated by continents.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that was funny too because in the beginning, when I had the five string, that was the only five string I had, so I left it over in Germany. And then when I'm here and I wanted to practice or go over to songs, I'm like, well, it's not really the same thing if I practice it on a four string because I don't have that low string. So I would uh, take. I bought a, f- a set of five strings and I just took the bottom f- four and put those on the four string. So it was a five string without the higher string. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it kind it, it of, it allowed me to rehearse at least at home, but then I, I'm like, okay, this is stupid. I got to buy a bass. So I <laughs> bought another one.
2: Yeah, that would, uh, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate your ingenuity. <laughs> it was too
1: yeah i part. mean somehow you have to somehow you have to make a way i because it would have been bad if i couldn't practice you know mm-hmm. and i didn't want to borrow something from someone so i so i just i just put the bottom strings on there and then it was like almost the same and i had to just use my imagination for the higher string if i ever used it you know oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah that's it do you practice
0: a lot is it something you you do regularly or is it as you um, are getting I, going I, I to a, an album or a tour you practice, I, I, but...
1: I actually don't practice as much as I should. Or like some people are actually surprised, like my wife, like how much I actually practice, and then I jump up on a stage, and she's like, how did you do that? <laughs> you, know, you haven't even touched the guitar for two weeks, and you just jumped up there and started playing. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think at some point, you know, the practice is good, but I've really been playing so long that it's like it's it's second nature to me. It's like riding a bicycle. So I kind of don't really need so much practice as much as like rehearsing the parts. That's more what I'm practicing. Like, okay, you know, the song has this little part in it. And you make sure you get that riff and, oh, it changes here or that type of thing, you know. So that I always do before before we go on tour or something for like, you know, maybe three weeks, I'm just running over the material that's the set. You know, I just keep playing it over and over, listen to it in my car. So that's just totally ingrained in my head that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about anything, you know, like, oh, how does it go? Because that's the biggest, that's the biggest mistake, like, uh, not a mistake, but when you get panicked when you're on stage and like, Oh shit! How does that go again? Then you're gonna forget it. But if you rehearse before, you kind of become like a like a wind up monkey where y- your body just does it on its own. As long as you don't question yourself, your body's gonna do it. But once you start questioning yourself, then you mess up. Well, you said you were five when you started playing bass. Is that right? Yeah, well, I started playing guitar at five. Guitar, and at five. I switched. Yeah. And then I switched to bass in like 2006, I think. Okay. Okay. Five years
0: old to know already what you want to do with your life and and go forward and actually accomplish it. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. That's kind of very like, it's, it's kind of weird. Like a lot of the people that I saw in the clubs when I was, uh, you know, 16 and 18, when I started playing clubs, not many of those people are still around. I mean, of course, the trickster boys were from the same area, and uh, those guys, of course, are never ending playing with everybody, like P.J. And, and Steve Brown. you know, But we all used to play in this little club called China Club in Hillsdale, New Jersey. And um, they had uh, a Sunday night-like thing that would go from like 6 p.m. to like 10 or 11 or something. And it was for all kids underage. They didn't serve any alcohol. And it was just the bands. But the bands were Trickster. You know, the bands I was in in the past. Um, who else was there? Um, you ever hear of a band called Ours? Mm, can't say as I have. Right, I yeah, really. Um, they're they're a little more of a, a modern sounding. Uh, Jimmy Necco is the singer. Those guys also from the same same area. And, um, so there's not many people that I see that I used to play with that are still doing it at this age. You know, the, most people got married, have kids, have a job. There's still some that are playing and some that are still playing professionally. Of course, they, at back then they were the, you know, the, the higher level guys. So they're like in cover bands and wedding bands and some are in original bands, but not many, um. But yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that, you know, you, you start out something so young and I knew what I wanted to do and I just didn't give up until, you know, people call me a rock star, but I don't feel like a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, rock star. And I got to turn around and look, I mean, is there somebody behind me? <laughs> you <know>? Well, that's <laughs> all your thunder
0: fingers, though,
2: you turn, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that I know is me.
2: Yeah, I, know. I mean <laughs> it, that's why you need to add that to all the albums. You know, it's just like Ronnie yeah. Thunderfinger's parts. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. then you're a rock star for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: How much time do you
1: spend in Germany, like versus the U.S.? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, um I used to spend a lot more time there. I, I the most time I think I've ever spent there was probably. Four months or something um, but for eight years now I've been going back and forth and I go for like two weeks then I come home and I'm home for two weeks and I go back for a month then I come home for a month then I go back for two months then I come home for a month then I go back for a week and I you know it's like all constantly going back and forth uh, you would think from all the time I've been there I could speak better German but I can't, it's super, super hard language, but I'm actually good enough that I can understand what people are saying and I could go into a store and order stuff and I could get around like on the trains and the buses and everything, you know? So I I know some, but I'm not like a fluent German speaker. It's just incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult because they have so many different dialects and, you know, the people from up North say different things than down South like a like a, a stein, is a is a stone, but and so in in Bavaria or like South Germany they'll say stein, um, but up in North Germany like by Frankfurt and and all these other places they say ste, you know. So <laughs> how how do you know the difference, you know? And it's like fleischkäse Casey or Liva you know. It's the same thing. It's just they call it something different, you know. So, this, so it's very difficult to get all the little different dialects and and language and stuff. I mean, it's very cool. I love Germany. It's a beautiful place. There's so many like so much history, and the food is amazing everywhere. It's so fresh that you know you wouldn't believe how much shit food we have in the United States. It's unbelievable. And what they allow people to eat, <laughs> you know, some of this stuff is l- literally illegal in Europe, like like stovetop stuffing. It's yep. illegal in Europe. You I can eat know. it here all you want. You, <laughs> can, you can have it every you can have it every day if you want here, but <laughs> over there it's illegal. So yeah, it's actually freaking a lot delicious of, though. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I, actually, my wife, <laughs> my wife's aunt lives in Ireland, and every time we go over there, we have to bring her some stovetop <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we're smuggling. Careful,
1: careful. Yeah, we're smuggling. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i can imagine though but that's isn't that the thing right like like packaged food
1: is just the death of everything though yeah yeah but it's it's the united states i mean they don't have the same regulations i guess they're a little more they care about money a little bit more than the people actually yeah so mm-hmm. yeah it is what it is yeah. no
2: no you don't you're... have
1: to eat you don't have to eat stovetop something, that, that, man. That's
2: right. Yeah, I know. I haven't eaten that eaten stovetop something <laughs> in like 30 plus years. I think. So. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a
0: while,
1: too. Yeah, yeah. but I
0: may, I may make some tonight now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it like that in Canada, too? Is there like a lot of stuff that's illegal that's legal in the U.S.?
0: It's, it's like, uh, let's put it this way. Canada falls in, in the middle. Between Europe and and the U.S. It's, it's they're more strict than the U.S. but not as strict as they are in Europe about you know health yeah. and, and what's what's in the packages and these things. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah food is yeah. one thing. It's drugs that drugs that get a little bit uh, harder to get here. So. Oh really? Like the like like you know just the over the counter stuff and uh, and those kind of things. Like the US will have more of those, whereas Canada will have you know it will it, it's a more stringent process to to get it into Canada.
1: Huh, that's interesting. Because I heard that we buy a lot of uh, drugs from Canada. Mm. If they're the same, they're cheaper here. You know. Yeah, it's, sure. It's, it's probably cheap, yeah. If
0: they are the same, but yeah. uh, but we don't have as many. You know. Uh, available, put it that way. So, oh. strange. Uh, you know, we you can get boner pills both places, and that's really what counts.
1: Yeah, as long as it works. As long as as long as you get a hard on <laughs> for for it's no more than four hours. Yeah, it's it's the end <laughs> We're result. We're all getting a little older, you know. I mean, let's be honest.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, the, the, there's all fives in front of our ages here, right? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nice. so Canada is,
0: yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I haven't been to Europe in forever, but uh, you know, I mean, I'd like to see. I mean, I think it's 20 years since I've been there. I'd like to go and just see the the changes and 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 you know, because it is. I mean, I think they're they're evolving as a society quickly too, right? So.
1: You know, oh yeah, totally. see the different yeah. changes I mean, and the different things. Uh, yeah, I noticed, like, Germany kind of mirrors the U.S. in a lot of ways. Like, a lot of things that get popular here get popular there. Um, and not so much in the rest of Europe, but definitely in Germany. Like, they kind of follow along the same types of, of things, uh, which is interesting. Um, I was actually supposed to move to Ireland during, right before COVID, when COVID hit. So I, and right now I can't, I'm still trying to move there just because I'd be closer to the band mm-hmm. and be easier to, to travel back and forth. But it's like, they're having a housing crisis there. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really difficult. It's, everything super expensive. And, uh, it was funny. Like when we did these shows to Romania, we had, uh, after the show, we had about three hours before we had to catch the plane. So instead of going back to the hotel and going to sleep, we decided to go to the bar. <laughs> so we went to the bar and we found an Irish bar and went to go get a drink. And uh, we sit down and I see the bartender there and I'm like, hey, man, uh, I was I'm actually, you know, I go, you from Ireland. And he's, we start talking and he's telling me about how he moved to Germany and he still has his Irish brogue and everything. And he kind of understands German. And so I was telling him, yeah, I was going to move to Ireland, you know. I said, but, uh, you know, they're having the housing crisis there. And on top of it, I have, like, three cats. He's like, oh. He goes, oh, well, there was uh, this lady that I knew in the, in the town. And, and we, we didn't see her for a couple of days. And we knocked on her door to see where she was. And, and she wasn't answering. So we, we broke in. And there was about 50 cats in the room. And we're looking around. We don't see her. We just see these, like, 50 cats. We open up the other door. And there's 200 cats. And then we found the lady there lying on the floor. I guess she started, she must've started bleeding and the cats licked her and they started to, to eat her. Basically the cats ate her. And I I go to the guy, I go, dude, what the fuck? You tell me a story. Like, why do you tell people stories like this? What kind of fucking story is that? And he's like, well, you know, I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, three cats ain't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: that's right. That's, that's yeah, so right.
0: I look at my cat like, every now and then and go, "I know you would eat me.
1: I know you, you would." Know, yeah, yeah. That's. I tell my wife the same thing. Like I go, you, "You know, you're gonna fall down one day or something, and then the cats are gonna just. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't blame her. You know, you're just trying to yeah. survive. You're a cat.
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah, it doesn't matter
0: where the food comes, was, it
2: comes from yeah yeah, I, mean, yeah.
0: I, I was thinking when you were talking about being a Romania and such earlier I mean I was thinking it's like you're you're you know getting closer to the to the the warlands and the, the the you know the different you know just yeah. just all the the craziness that's going on over there and and uh you know I mean I'll, does that
1: affect yeah. any plans that you guys have well, I mean, it did in it did in the beginning when it first started. There was a lot of stuff going on, and there was uh, a lot of things with like refugees. Like there was some show we were supposed to play. I forget where it was, and maybe in Switzerland or Czech Republic or somewhere. And they were putting refugees in the club, so the club was closed. Like I guess so they were staging them there before they started to uh, to go anywhere. And I mean, I I never you don't really see anything about the war except for like you know the price of everything is so expensive and energy and you hear it on the news, but you're not really seeing it in Europe except for like, you know, the refugees, there's refugees everywhere, you know, from, from Ukraine, from other countries. And it's really starting. People are really starting to flood the the countries as uh, immigrants, you know, Mm. well, not really as immigrants, more as like, um, uh, I don't know what you would call that. You know, people who leave for a purpose, like, you know, like I have to get out of there, it's too dangerous. You know, they're not just trying to move to a country or something. They're like leaving for a purpose, you know. Yeah, yeah, the refugee kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the only kind of thing uh, you see there. And I mean, from from just being, you know, having previously played in Russia and also Belarus, um, I, I have seen how close Belarus is to Russia and how they're kind of conjoined in a way like, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious. They call it white Russia. It's basically controlled by Russia. You know, they're not going to do anything that Russia doesn't want to do. They're only going to do what Russia wants to do. And, um, the one time we played there, was just, for me, it was a, a very strange time because I felt like it was, um, it was, it was kind of dangerous. Like, you know, at any point somebody say, Hey man, you're not from around here. You're from the United States. And uh, we're going to lock you up or something, you know, but that of course never happened. And, um, but it was a, it was a Harley Davidson festival, Harley Davidson owners group festival in Belarus. We played there. uh, We played the opening of the festival and then the closing of the festival. And the beginning of the festival, we played inside the arena and it was, it was really cool. And they're like, well, they really loved it. So they said, okay, well, you guys are going to also play the, the out, the end of the festival, but you're gonna play outside. We're gonna have a big stage outside, so they did that, and there was like I don't know, ten thousand people, and wow. they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna launch fireworks, uh, you know, near your last song. What's your last song gonna be?" And and you know nobody knew at that point actually what the last song was gonna be. And Hans goes, uh, "A sweet home Alabama." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so cool. so here we are in Belarus playing Sweet Home Alabama and they're shooting off fireworks and I just felt so like strange like this is so weird it's like you know Harley Davidson group they're playing Sweet Home Alabama and shooting off fireworks and and meanwhile I could just like walk off the stage and they could arrest me and, and kill me.
2: <laughs> I mean j- just the simple idea of a German band playing Sweet Home Alabama in
1: Russian in Russia you know like that yeah yeah it was kind of it was interesting yeah i mean it was really real cool. we we had yeah it was that's exactly what it was it was like kind of surreal yeah i mean it was cool as hell everybody was really cool we played there actually when we played outside skid row played inside but this was before they got eric this was uh like 2018 maybe i think i think yeah i think it was 2018 or mm-hmm. 17 wow. it was a while back but it, it was really cool, and, and Dave, uh, Dave and Hans got to see each other because back, actually, to go back to these albums now, um, when Bonfire was recording these albums, they, BMG brought them over to the United States, and they stayed in New York and also L.A. So they recorded in L.A., and they hooked up with a bunch of writers in uh, New York and New Jersey. So Dave, they were actually at Dave's house, and, and he says, I remember going in your mom's kitchen. And we were sitting at the table with Dave, Dave Sabo. So it was cool because they kind of got to reunite there, which was kind of nice, you know. They hadn't seen each other in so many years, so that was kind of cool. And it was just like a real—it was—it was a real surreal experience. It was—it was cool. It was kind of cool.
2: The big giant rock and roll family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is really a small business, man. Once you start, you know, getting around, it's like you see the same people or like, you know, all of a sudden the guy from this band is playing now in this band. Like, like I used to play in, uh, in this band, Seven Witches. And now yep. John, Johnny's playing uh, in Quiet Riot. He's the German Quiet Riot. Jack's now playing with Alanova. Yep, for sure. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. So, yeah. so people bounce around all these different places and you're like, you know, it's, you end up seeing them again at somewhere else where you're on the same festival or, you know, even like people like, you know, Fabio told me that, uh, he went recently to an Iron Maiden, an Iron Maiden show. And there was, a <clears throat> he did the, one of the Bonzo bashes or something. And, uh, the drum tech is the drum tech for Iron Maiden, but they became friends when they did the Bonzo bash. So he called them and they, they went to go see, Iron maiden in like France or somewhere, so it's like yeah, it's just the same people, and you see them all over, and you become friends. And it is a it is a little family in some way. It's because you're you're rock and roll survivors, you know. I mean,
0: so many, That's like right. you say, they they do, do drop to the wayside, and and uh, you mm-hmm. know, certain people, they're, they're be it luck, be it uh, to be being too stubborn to refuse to quit, being uh, you know being talent and hard work and, you know, all these different factors kept you going, you know?
1: Yeah. Or you could even manage to get past all the, you know, the cliche drug things and uh, alcohol and everything else, you know, because that, that also becomes a thing on the road. You know, you don't, you don't really think about it, but it becomes available sometimes. If you, especially if if you're looking for it, you
2: Mm -hmm, know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not
1: that difficult to find and alcohol is always available. So it's like, you know, people just drink a lot. So, and then you're waking up and you're drinking and you're, then it becomes too much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I think it is. Easy to it. Into those kind of things.
1: Yeah. So if you could survive the whole lifestyle, even getting past the point of where like normal, normal people get a job, <laughs> you <know? laughs> if, you get, if you get past, if you get past that point and you survive the, the drugs and the alcohol and everything else, and yeah, I guess you are some kind of rock and roll survivor. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that's well, that's uh, that's going to be Hans's book actually. His yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. It's that's the plan right. is that yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be released with the new album that's gonna be released next year, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, and uh, it's yeah, it's basically because Hans is, is bipolar manic depressive. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of stories and, and the book is basically about how he dealt with the whole bonfire thing from the beginning when in 1972, when it started as Kikuman in his basement, you know, and then it changed over. Basically they got signed and they were doing really well. And the record labels, like the name sucks. You guys got to change the name. And then they changed it to bonfire. So, it, but it basically was, it was the same band that they just changed the name. And then it just continued, you know.
2: Did you go through it and make sure that yeah, I saw the talking uh... shit about you at all?
1: About who? <laughs> <laughs> talking shit about you? Like he's like mm, No, I haven't, I haven't I haven't haven't read it yet. I don't I don't think he's talking shit about me. I, he <laughs> might be talking shit about some other people, but I yeah, yeah, not me. <laughs> I saw I the cover to the that.
0: book, I thought I saw the cover to the book, I thought, oh, what a beautiful shot. What a beautiful cover. I mean, that's it. Rock and roll
1: survivor. I mean, it really is like yeah. yeah. And well, we, that's really we also what it got. Is. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's, it's really about his life with the bipolar because they were, you know, he was telling me about times when he first got diagnosed, you know, because he was really off the, off the rail with drugs and alcohol and, and everything else. Now he doesn't do anything. He doesn't drink, he doesn't do any drugs. Um, you know, he just takes his medication. And that, that's a big problem with people who have mental illness when they're using drugs or alcohol on top of the mental illness and not taking medication or even taking medication and mixing it with the drugs and alcohol, it just does not work. You know, it becomes really a, a toxic situation for everybody you know, everybody involved. And if it's a band member, which there's really a lot of musicians and a lot of uh, these band people that have mental issues. You know, I, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's like some kind of prerequisite to, to actually have some kind of success that you you're dumb enough to go through, or so crazy that you just keep like going. Creativity when- <laughs> and
0: creativity <laughs> and this seem creativity and this seem yeah to be yeah, I locked together. mean, right from I mean, you can look at you know history yeah. of musicians and and painters yeah. and different things. And just yes,
1: creativity and, and mental illness seem to be somehow locked together. Yeah, it it is true that that is definitely true and. And he really dealt with a lot of this stuff. You know, at, at one point, um, Bonfire had this this play called The Rauber. I think it was in the 90s somewhere. I, I'm not sure exactly the year. But um, so basically, it was, a, it was a play. And Bonfire was in the play. And they wrote the music for the play. And they performed in the play. Uh, and it was two shows a day. And they had like 80 shows or something. It ran. It was really very successful. And it ran for a while. But at that point, Hans was in the hospital. So he was in the mental hospital. So they would go to the hospital and pick him up and bring him to the show. He would play the show and then they bring him back to the hospital. And that was the kind of life he was living. Like, you know, this type of stuff. He told me another story about where he went somewhere. It was somewhere like Romania or Bulgaria. And he went to the show and they put, they made a, they let him go. But they said, "Okay, we got to send two like nurses with you, two bodyguard nurses." And as soon as he got there, he was like out of control, trying to get cocaine and and everything else, you know. Crazy. But so now he's finally passed all that stuff. Yeah, it, it really. There's a lot of crazy stories and and all that cool stuff is in the book, you know. So it it gives a little bit of a different look. It, he talks about how he um what what how it was when he first went into a, a mental institution and uh you know he was having visions and hearing things and seeing things and hallucinating and it was really kind of bad he wanted to kill himself and then he had a relapse later in like uh, in the band in like 2018. you know he he tried to commit suicide and um because we did this big tour and it didn't it didn't work out as planned and it really wasn't his fault it was the people who were putting in the money because, you know, we had a meeting and they were saying, Oh yeah, well, you know, Hans is like, well, Hey man, we didn't really sell enough tickets. You know, this might not work out so great. You know, maybe we should cancel. They're like, no, 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 we're putting in the money. Don't worry. if it fails next year, we, we write it off. And next year, that's how things happen. They get bigger and bigger every year and halfway through the tour, these guys pulled out money. Mm -hmm. So the tour, so the tour crashed. And then you know Hans was really just from all the stress because we had put out an album. Then we did this another album, which was a double album. Then he was doing all the bookings for this big concert thing with all these different singers. Uh, That's basically the Legends album.
2: Yeah, I remember. Yeah,
1: yeah, so we did this like tour with like Jeff Teed and and uh, Dave Bickler and um, a whole bunch of people, and it was it was really good. I mean, people that came loved it but it wasn't uh as many people as they were planning so some of the rooms were too big and there wasn't enough people so and then on top of it when these guys pulled out then that just crushed everything that was like you know okay now nobody could get paid nothing's happening that we show up at a at a venue and there's no PA system you know all kinds of really strange things so at the end of this we had one show where we knew it was the last one and it was like okay that's that's it it's done and right after that, he, he tried to, uh, to kill himself. So he ended up back in the hospital again. And then he was in there for like 12 weeks, I think. And then uh, we had an acoustic show right near his hospital. And that was the first show. So we drove to the hospital, picked him up, and we went right to the show and did a show. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, we still had like, wow. you know, he had like, he had like an art class in, his, in, his, yeah. in the hospital. So, so he had a painting. So we had, that was in the van. You know, <laughs> like all his suitcase and stuff, and even some of the people from the hospital came to the show. So he's like, "Yeah, there was this one guy. He burned his wife. He's probably going to come tonight." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. man! Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, so, it was, so yeah, it was it was kind of crazy.
0: What a life! What a life! Well, it's yeah. a must read book, definitely, and uh, you know, must listen to album that new album that, that's going to all of it, but also. Also, must listen to, yeah, these, these three new reimaginings. Uh, do me a favor, folks. Before you bitch about them, hear them.
2: How about yeah. that?
1: How listen about that? to them yeah. before
2: you bitch about them. Because they yeah. sound great. I mean, everything sounds awesome. Yeah, and i can't. can't get... heard them. I think they're terrific.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. And, and some of the people just, some of the things they say, like one guy I saw, one guy wrote, oh, it sounds like the vocals were recorded over the phone. I'm like, come on what album are you listening to man
2: yeah <laughs> not not these ones that's for sure <laughs>
1: yeah i'm like okay if you don't like it one thing but like to yeah. say something like that is just like ridiculous
2: well that's that's not constructive there's nothing there's nothing there right so yeah
1: yeah exactly yeah
2: well ronnie so. we love talking to you but uh but please tell everybody how they can keep up with you
1: how they can keep up with the bonfire where they can find everything yeah, you can find everything on our website, uh, www.bonfire.de. Um, pretty much everything is on there. Our schedule is on there. Uh, we, you know, We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, that's pretty much where you can catch everything. And if you're in Europe, you'll probably be able to catch us a lot easier. We'd love to come here to the U.S., but I don't really see that happening anytime in the near future. But uh, you never know, man. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll come to Canada that would be great i mean i mean otherwise
2: otherwise we're gonna have to come over there to see you because that's just yeah. uh that's just the way it works but yeah. uh,
1: well we could say we can stay by you right
2: yeah oh totally <laughs> yeah i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. it's not a big yeah, yeah, country no. or anything yeah, yeah. At all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know. no no well, we don't have hotels here in canada or anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. you don't need them it's fine we'll find a place it's warm here all the time <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
2: <laughs> awesome but, well, Ronnie. it's so been a much. pleasure and, you uh, too man and I know that we will talk to you again uh, once the new album comes out because uh, that's what we do we like to talk to you
1: absolutely, I'm look, looking forward to it man and
2: I love talking to you guys too awesome, well Ronnie Parks, Bonfire um, everybody should listen to the reimaginings of the albums and uh, thank you so much And uh, nothing but the best in the future and we will talk to you again all right. You got it.
1: Thanks, Brent. All right. Bye, bye for bye. now.